Yo, easy. What's up, guys? My name is Evan Duvall. This is Easy Does It. Thank you for joining us. All right, guys. So we're dropping in here today with Jennifer Nash. Um, she is visiting us here in Austin, Texas. We're going to get into the story about how she grew up here in Austin, but she's visiting from France. So quite a quite a long ways to come into town, but excited to get to know you a little bit better and, and hear your story of of uh, all the changes you've seen here in Austin, but also all the opportunity it's given you in your career. And it sounds like an exciting journey. So I'd love it if you uh, introduce yourself and we'll get right into it. Thank you, thank you for having me so much, yeah. Um, well, you said my name, Jennifer Nash, and uh, I don't know, I used, what do you want to know? I grew up in Austin, yeah. I went to St. Austin's on the drag. Yeah. I couldn't get more Austin than St. Austin's. Yeah, I um I think we should start with just how or what you do for a living and um, kind of how that career got started here um, and where you got your creative spark from. Um, okay. So yeah, I'd like to to get into the podcast and and tell the full story. So um, where did it all begin? Where did your creative journey start? My creative journey literally did start at St. Austin's. Yeah. I wrote, directed, starred in, and produced my first musical theater production in fifth grade Yeah. <laughs> at St. Austin's and there was no turning back. I was yeah. like, nothing will stop me. So I was an actress for many, many years cool. and just on a lot of TV stuff, Star Trek, Home Improvement, Full House, you know, growing pains, blossom, the 90s into the 2000s, and then something happened and I stopped acting. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just decided that I want to be the storyteller. Yeah. And I've done stuff too, I've, you know, worked for Netflix as like casting and other jobs in the industry, but mm -hmm. I really knew when I stopped acting, I was always playing other people's parts that they wrote. A lot right. of, you know, cute, silly girls next door, girlfriend roles, that mm -hmm. kind of thing some killers and some you know shrimp insurance phonies too yeah a lot of fun roles but i wanted to t i really wanted to tell stories yeah. and i have a very particular reason why i want to tell stories mm -hmm. it's not just to make people laugh sure. and it's definitely not just to make money um so i was i wrote this this tv series um after the 45th election mm -hmm. year I was in Pennsylvania and I was really inspired by the Underground Railroad and what that looks like now. And it blossomed into this long, massive sci-fi series called Hyde. And I wrote the pilot and I, I, wrote, I actually wrote the whole first season, but I started entering the pilot script into competitions. And I won my first screenplay competition here in Austin. It was super, 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 you know, validating. And mm. I won a bunch of competitions, went to Sundance and then started getting meetings about this about this project which was not an easy one this is a pretty big complex sci-fi series that would not be cheap to make mm. um but man it was like i think two weeks maybe a week after sundance covid put a wall down yeah put a wall down just all stop there's everything stopped for production and so i pivoted and i started writing a screenplay about that was based on you know, true stories of friends and family going through the lockdowns wherever they were in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a light bulb moment. Actually, I have to give Electrocast credit. Uh, Peter from Electrocast, Peter Rafelson, saw one of my postings on LinkedIn about this script winning awards and said, would you think about doing it as a podcast? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this one might be a little hard because it's so visual, but I do have a screenplay I've been working on that has to do with everything that we're going through right now. Yeah. So I asked if they would be interested in that. And at first they were like, I don't know, but I just started doing it. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And you know what the really crazy thing was? all these amazing actors were home not working because of covid sure so they had the time, to, had the time. to dive into this new concept yeah. of a, yeah. a fictional storytelling yeah. podcast right wow and that's such a great distraction from just you know sitting just there. sitting at home yeah. and, and wanting crazy. some creative outlet right and what a perfect time to to jump on this as podcasters are booming and that's, i was able to run around mostly los angeles but sometimes mm -hmm. fedex delivering contacts just like 
contact delivery, contactless delivery, yeah. like food or whatever. Put it outside. The scripts. All the scripts, the microphone, yeah. everything they needed. That's awesome. Because a lot of actors are not set up at home right. to do voice acting. Ed yeah. Asner was not. So mm -hmm. we had to deliver him. It's all set to the right dials. Mm -hmm. You know, you just push on. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then Zoom direct it. And like, what a what a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the progression of technology that... I don't think I that, ever would have gotten yeah. Ed Asner if it wasn't COVID. But also, they like the script. Yeah, I, think, like I don't script. think you're the only one that spent a majority of their time on Zoom calls. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot there. I'd like to, to take it you know, all the way back to growing up here in Austin and what that did for you. you. said you went to a private school, St. Austin, on the drag right next to UT campus. And obviously being inspired as an actress and, and to write and all of these things, like I grew up in this city as well. And I know how that shaped my mind to, you know, see how creativity um, really was expansive for people in this town as far as what was possible. Um, and, you know, I think it's interesting that you dove into that, you know, all in and and literally dreams came true and you were an actress, which is amazing. You know, there's there's a lot of people that wanted to be actresses or actors as children. And, you know, for you to see all that, that all the way through, um, I'd like to hear more about that process. Um, obviously, the film industry here in Austin and productions, it's definitely growing, um, but it's definitely not la right but Ooh, i see this trend I, I now scold i want to mm -hmm. scold texas because yeah. they took away tax cut and while mm -hmm. i was working in pennsylvania for mm -hmm. netflix link letter did not one but two films there because right. of the tax credits yeah so come on texas know, bring, bring back, back the love bring yeah. back the love let's yeah. have some more stuff filmed in yeah i think that was good old tejas that was a massive shift for for film and and productions is you know that that was the incentive to bring that that economy in itself here and um you know just when it was starting to really expand and people could kept keep up on the production level um you know the door closed and it's it's tough yeah, yeah. but um yeah i'd love to hear more about your acting career as well you know what that was like you know where this dream was coming true and sure you know was it right after high school or did you go to college and then I'm telling pursue you, it fifth, after fifth grade? Yeah. I got it yeah. in fifth grade. Yeah. So my family moved up to Dallas mm -hmm. in middle school for me. Okay. And I immediately did all the theater I could, mm -hmm. um, Dallas theater center programs. Um, <clears throat> and in, like by 15, I think my grandmother was real supportive. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but she was so supportive. Pretty much no one else was, but she saw me in a couple of plays and she thought, you know, you're good kid. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll back you up. So when I was 15 years old, I was able to do a program with the national theater of great Britain mm -hmm. in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. And Greer Garson, that famous old actress, do you know Greer Garson? Maybe you're too I young. She's an know. old movie actress from Dallas who okay. loved my grandmother. My grandmother had a dress store there and I wasn't supposed to even be allowed to audition because I was only 15 and mm -hmm. it was a postgraduate program. But Greer Garson picked up the phone and said, my friend's granddaughter wants yeah. to. So they, they let me in. Uh, what based a wonderful on, opportunity. It was amazing, yeah. amazing. And because of that, I ended up going to, not to college, broke my grandmother's heart, but mm -hmm. I went to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art okay. in London yeah. for acting. Wow. And uh immediately got a job in a broadway show mm -hmm. i already had a baby brought him with me to school to, to to new york and then from there i came back to texas and did a bit of regional theater at the dallas theater center okay which was rad yeah but i saw the national endowment of the arts i'm obviously quite a bit older than you just closing down theaters mm -hmm. because they weren't totally subsidizing but say they gave a third or a fourth of their budget those theaters just couldn't survive without that one fourth from the national endowment of the arts mm. which was you know a national thing to help yeah help the arts in our country with that gone like my age group i was still playing real young ingenues and teenagers even mm -hmm. they were never going to hire an equity actor yeah for that in mm -hmm. texas after that so i was like you know i got a kid i gotta make some money booked it to la before i even got a waitressing job i got my first acting job and just didn't look back yeah well i think that's something we forget is how many different things can impact the arts themselves you know whether it's 
you know, the government instituting new rules or regulations or whatever that really do kind of bottleneck the money that's coming in or tax breaks. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's worth having those conversations of, you know, this is something that we, we need to appreciate and cherish and support um, because we literally feed that economy by, you know, buying tickets and going to shows. And, you know, that, that's something that we will lose if we just take it for granted as something that will always be there. Um, so, I mean, there's always different outlets, of course, you know, the way, whether you want to, you know, support the arts on a local level or, you know, this, this big cinematic global level. Um, it's important that we have that awareness that, you know, it is a fickle industry and, and uh, we need to, you know, show it some appreciation and love. Yeah, and, and local, smaller, like, mm-hmm. for instance, theater companies or dance troupes or, or even local music acts that aren't big yet. Right. Those are the ones that, you know, can really struggle and suffer without, without you buying a ticket. And, mm-hmm. you know, places like Austin, even L.A., there's so many shows that are free, mm-hmm. but man, if they've got a hat up there, <laughs> put yeah. some money in the damn hat. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, because, something you know that... that's where you get the innovation. That's where you get the sure. new stuff from. Yeah. You know, we already know who the Rolling Stones are and yeah. they're real expensive and they're not hurting yeah. for money and we yeah. love them and that's cool. Yeah. But what about the new Rolling Stones that we haven't even discovered yet? Yeah. You know, absolutely. I think that's, that's something I've been paying attention to is how our, you know, economy here is shifting with, the amount of growth, new businesses, um, and somehow with all of this growth, gigs and shows are starting to dry up a little bit. It's becoming a little more competitive, which isn't the trend that we want to see, right? If we're in a growing city and there's more business and more money coming in, why aren't we expanding on the culture that already exists? Um, So obviously we're trending the wrong direction. I don't think we're at a point where it can't be, you know, fixed and revived. I think we're we're just at the beginning, but I don't want to just assume that this will always be the music capital of the world, or that you know the arts are what this this town revolves around because it's obviously not anymore. You know, it's like now tech is you know starting to take over on what Austin is known for. Um, but I would love to see Austin be known for a wide array of industries and and things, and I think that's what'll make this special. But it's going to take um, individuals, both on the performing side and the venue side, and the, you know the people even, like you talking yeah, about yeah, even in just you know the investing side, like certain parts of town and areas and venues that are going out of business, that you know we could really start feeding with optimism and and light and uh, revitalize you know our awareness of of what that has meant to the history of Austin um, from its beginning. Absolutely. And my yeah. one of my concerns or worries about Austin is that a lot of artists, all kinds of artists, um, might be getting priced out of the city. I yeah. mean, do you want to be the, the capital of the music world only during South by Southwest and ACL? Right. Or do you want to yeah. be the capital of the music, you know, the music capital of the world all, all the time? Sure. How, how can an artist survive on, on being an artist? Is that becoming, you know, realistic as housing prices go from average of like 300,000 to now over half a million, you yeah. know, it's like, just like that. Yeah. And, I mean, I honestly you know, wish cities like Austin and Los Angeles would have sort of, and they could, they do this in Europe, mm-hmm. by the way, would have special, you know, we have student housing for UT mm-hmm. that's cheap and affordable, right? And it's just legendary. And you can go there if you're a graduate student or postgraduate or whatever. But what about artist housing Mm -hmm. housing how awesome would that be yeah uh, that's that's an amazing concept and i i'd love to see that explored you know austin is so so creative mm -hmm. i was just watching this show on apple uh called home Mm -hmm. and two amazing episodes had one was about a home that this guy did in east austin incredible bringing back all the species the native species that were killed by an oil spill in the Mm. 70s and then but the other one was about a guy here who has a 3D printer. He's 3D printing homes for homeless people in Mexico. Yeah, I heard about that. Unfreaking believable. Yeah. I mean, if there's yeah. that kind of innovation, I'm not saying we should 3D print, you know, housing for artists. Right. But maybe I don't know. You know, yeah. something. There's, there's, there are solutions. A concept I, I thought was beautiful. I can't remember where I saw it. It was like some short documentary film, 
what they were talking about, I think it was like Switzerland or somewhere where they had like shared community living. And, you know, you think of an apartment complex where everybody's porches here face the outside and they may even have, you know, a good view or a bad view, but everybody's kind of view is external. And um, there was these complexes built in Europe that all of the railings and porches faced like a big dining hall internally. And so um, a lot of the families would just keep their doors open and children could run in and out of different apartments. And what they did was, let's say it was like a 30 family unit, you know, in this complex, um, one family would cook dinner per, you know, per month. So that family would put all of their effort into cooking this massive meal, you know, and, and others, others would it. help out, oh gosh, but awesome. there was no responsibility for you alone to cook for your family every night. Right. So more time and energy went into these meals where every meal, all 30 families would dine at this table. That was the length of the entire complex. And so there was this very, you know, community driven, um, internal kind of shared space. I love um, that. In that and complex. your space and, here is a little bit similar, not the same, yeah, of course, but you yeah. have a lot of community going on here, which sure, is super yeah. cool. Well, I think that works here, you know, like, I mean, uh, this was an opportunity that, you know, fell into my lap, you know, just by riding a wave of momentum and, and really just following my heart and, and pursuing something that I felt like was important because I grew up here in Austin. Um, I joined the Navy right after high school, I served for six and a half years, and then just got back in 2020. Um, thank you for amidst your service. The, thank you for the support. Um, but I arrived back amidst during the pandemic and had, I could see the change that was happening in Austin for sure, you know, but I realized that, you know, the narrative was switching to a more negative one of like, you're not from Austin. Austin's not the same anymore. You're, you know, the city is getting ruined. Don't California, my Texas. And it was just all these like negative narratives. And it was, there, it was all the easiest things to say. And, um, that's when I felt like, okay, I got to do something about this. And I knew that Austin has always been a place where you were able to find a sense of community. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's nickel city or, or whistlers or, you know, your local, chess team you know like there's somewhere where people can go and express themselves and um i was very grateful for that growing up here and i didn't necessarily take it for granted um but when i left i missed it and so when i came back that was when i was like okay well i'm gonna do my part and contribute on that subcultural level and then maybe expand from there just by involving other industries and cultures so it's just feeding off of a, an energy that's been here for, for generations. And, you know, I think it's the arts are a great place for us to start, you know, where it's going to take a creative approach to restructure some of these systems and narratives that are obviously overwhelming our culture at this point. Um, no matter what your, your beliefs are, um, it's going to take the subcultures rising up to kind of inspire people again and lighten people's hearts because um, the main narratives are just very fear-based and, and negative in a sense. And, you know, I think it's interesting that you, you moved to France, you know, you said right before the pandemic or right when during, it started during nope, the pandemic. Kind yeah. Of smack so, in the middle. Yeah. I'd like to kind of talk about where were you at that? Were you in Portland? I was in Los Angeles. Okay. In LA. So, yeah. What was that like where you said, okay, a lot of people went internal and locked their doors and closed the shades and hopefully they found something to keep them busy that was creative or, you know, wherever it was. And, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd like to hear about where you said, no, fuck this. <laughs> like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to keep living my life. And obviously, like, it sounds like you've got this beautiful home out there and just, you know, that's a that's a decision that so many people didn't and couldn't make for themselves. You know, yeah. a lot of people went internal and closed off and, you know, turned on the news and started complaining and bitching even more because they, they let go of their control. 
And I think it's interesting that you took your control right back and made a decision that I'd love to hear about because that's not a lot of people did that. Yeah, well, I um, I, there's something that's happening in California that's not on the national news, mm -hmm. at least not nearly enough, I, it, in my opinion, because it's because it's just a fact. And I don't think people are really seeing the reality of what's going on in California. And I'm saying California, not Los Angeles, because it's all over California. Yeah. And that Bay is area. that during COVID, it, the homeless situation was already bad. I mean, mm -hmm. terrible. But then during COVID, it 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 amplified so much that I was living in a place where I was living in a safe, supposedly safe neighborhood um, in Studio City and, you know, where there are two bedroom houses that are $2 million and we had homeless people two blocks away living in tent cities under the bridge. I mean, before it was all sort of downtown and certain little areas in Hollywood. Now it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's outside of my kids' old college santa cruz there's like two football fields of tents back to back yeah. it's in silicon valley it is it is like the great depression mm -hmm. that's what it looks like that's what like it feels like cities, yeah. yep it's getting dangerous people people ran at my car mm -hmm. you know i'm single now i'm you know mostly on my own driving around and it was scary i'm like yeah. i didn't know why they were running at my car are you trying to kill yourself are you out of your mind i don't want to kill you <laughs> yeah you know? i don't want to hurt you right and i don't want you to hurt me and i my heart bleeds for this this sure. whole huge community of homeless people but it was just and, and just sort of politics and stuff like that too it, it was a turning point for me and i just thought um and you know california was burning up this part of yeah. my podcast yeah like the entire podcast is my adventure through COVID and friends and families, all based on true stories. So mm -hmm. at, a, at towards the end, it's when California was burning up. Mm -hmm. I was house dog sitting for my friend that was over on the east side, and that you went outside and the air looked like something crazy. I can't even yeah. describe it. It was like acid yellow. Yeah, ashes were raining on our cars. Yeah. It was like snow ash. Yeah, it's hard. It's for you hard to, not, to even tell you how yeah. how scary and awful it was. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to stop happening no, unless we do some drastic stuff, which I don't know. It doesn't look like we're doing it anytime fast or soon. Sure. So I just thought, you know, I gotta, I gotta have a an escape hatch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be somewhere that's clean and green and lots of water and mm -hmm. friendly people. And you know, the idea was to grow my own vegetables in the beginning, but when I got over there, I was like. I cannot deal with two acres by myself. <laughs> and, yeah. and also the neighbors are giving me eggs anyway and vegetables. So I was kind of like, yeah, I could just do herbs and yeah. tomatoes and, and have all these wonderful gifts from neighbors. And the farmer's markets are amazing. It's all freaking super local and mm -hmm. seasonal and organic. The The food quality there is is a whole different level. Yeah. Have just you, that. <laughs> it reminds me of a, a book brought it up a few times recently but it's called the fifth sacred thing mm -hmm. by starhawk have you read that no i haven't oh uh, it's such a beautiful fictional story I, i'm not the biggest fan of fiction is what i told myself until i read this book and i realized how much i needed it in my life um but it was this um this book about this kind of modern day utopia in san francisco um where the government you know was very oppressive in a sense where they were like controlling how much food and water you got through work programs and um so the city started this revolution where they were just fighting back and so the city cut or the the government cut off all supply of food and water and these you know the whole city goes into to famine and everybody's getting sick and and you know it becomes very negative in the city and these four women went out you know, after months and months of this, you know, going on and they took pickaxes into the middle of an intersection and they started breaking up the asphalt. And it was this symbolic kind of uprising of them getting rid of the concrete and bringing it back to a state of a natural and more connected existence. And um, so they busted up all the concrete, they started their own gardens that, you know, put pipes in from the local rivers and got their own water and food sources back. And the more they became connected to the lands, they started getting these supernatural powers of, you know, healing powers of, of, you know, medicine workers and, 
and it was just this beautiful symbolic you know book of of this peaceful uprising and the entire time the government is closing back in on them and threatening to to come in and take over again and so they consult with the elders and they come up with this plan of a peaceful revolution but in order for that to work everybody has to be on the same page and there's all these you know fights and discourse between those that are acting based on fear and those that are acting based on love and I love that. ultimately I'm definitely gonna have to read that yeah book. love overcame and and you know they they kept their city so i uh i'd love everyone to go read that book right isn't now isn't that refreshing it, yeah, a sci-fi just a switch book of with perspective. a happy ending <laughs> yeah and it's so uh, rare. and it's so applicable to you know what's going on in our, in our world as you see this you know regenerative agriculture and everything coming to it's becoming more mainstream as people realize how disconnected we've become and and you know um whatever your beliefs are and you know how this world operates so the energy that we're we're sitting in right now i think it's really important that we all do our part um so you know it sounds intense it sounds like you know there there was this you know turmoil going on in california and you know were there other places that you wanted were on your list of mm -hmm. places you might go or mm -hmm. yep, you know I I, i'm sure as borders were closing you know yeah. not going to australia <laughs> you know so <laughs> right. how'd you how'd you decide on france well i i've, I've been to france a lot mm -hmm. mostly paris for uh, and during your acting career or for film or i've gone to the Cannes film festival a mm -hmm. couple of times that's southern yeah. um that's a whole other vibe yeah um and so i i've kind of kind of come to the i've lived in big cities i mean i'm i'll include austin as a big city it certainly is now sure <laughs> when yeah. i was a kid it was not quite as big of a city but right. it was still a city yeah so i've lived in it's been in, growing since yeah i mean but from from austin it was you know london new york mm -hmm. los angeles so yeah huge real right? big huge <laughs> cities so i'm kind of I'm kind of over that, especially because of COVID, like it, being locked in a big city in your little apartment where in Paris, hardly anyone has even a balcony. Yeah. You know, my girlfriend lives right by the Sorbonne and has this great apartment, but she doesn't even have any outdoor space of her own. Sure. So you think of that happening again, probably won't for a long, hopefully another hundred years, but you just, that kind of makes me think about what do I want? I, I want a yard, maybe not two acres. Cause that might be a little too much for me, but I want a yard. I want a barbecue. You know, I want flowers, I want walk places. So I ended up in this place that's only two and a half hour train ride to Paris. Mm -hmm. So if I get hungry for the big city, zop on down there and it's not expensive, I can go for the day. Yeah. Or I can get, or I can stay with my girlfriend or get a hotel for the weekend. Perfect. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. And it is definitely one of my favorite cities. I yeah. love Paris. But I love where I ended up. I'm, I have a, a waterfall five minutes out my door walking each direction, mm. one to the left and one to the right and biking paths and walking paths. And I'm only a 40 minute drive from the closest beach mm -hmm. in Los Angeles to get to my favorite beaches, which were the Malibu and North beaches right. it was an hour and a half Yeah, drive. Of so traffic. <laughs> well, yeah, my traffic in Normandy is a cow. Yeah. <laughs> got out. <laughs> like, where'd you come from? That's how I grew up. Where's your owner? <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe a tractor. But, you know, it's like there's no traffic. Yeah. I don't knock on wood. Don't yeah. only tell the good people about Normandy. Don't sure. tell them a secret. Yeah. And it's very affordable. Mm -hmm. And I might be starting a jazz club in January. Wow. So it's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. But the first thing is getting this podcast out. And I'm, I'm really excited. I just can't wait for it to launch. It's finally finished. Totally finished. Mm-hmm. It's got such good, it's such a good cast. Yeah. And I think the whole story you're talking about love over fear, mm -hmm. it's a real, it's a truthful, but a light touch on the whole COVID experience and the George Floyd uh, episode yeah. and reactions, all that stuff. You know, of course it was Los Angeles. So it was a little, that was also, yeah, you're think, saying I got out of this tumultuous, it wasn't sure. just the homeless. It was like the George Floyd yeah, thing. Yeah, it was and these one other, thing after another. It was, all these things. It was such a relentless year. Yeah. And, you know, and for, you know, we have to believe that more good came out of it than bad, you know. And I think, I think ultimately what I'm seeing now, if you care to look, is how much beauty is coming out of this. Where people, you know, 
went in they're, they're you know forced into solitude but also got the opportunity to sit with themselves and remove themselves from the rat race and and go inward a little bit to really ask themselves what's next for me is this now that i've taken this pause how am i going to step back into the world and i'm seeing a lot of the effects you know as artists went in and produced albums or you know other artists you know put the time in on canvases that you know large scale that they never had people wrote scripts and you know i think that's that's something that you know if there was any kind of like foresight to how things were going down by the government i don't think they accounted for that you know as far as how many people you know did come into their own creative space and and hope for a deeper sense of community and i think we're seeing the effects where you know more good is coming out of it than than bad um i hope so yeah yeah and i think you know i've always said that people have a tendency to forget so i think it's something that you know these works that remind us of what we felt you know um touching back on that is really important our medium our mm-hmm. mediums, plural, television, film, podcast, yeah. radio, all this, it's essential. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was thinking about it. This is when I first wrote the Hyde sci-fi series back in Pennsylvania, and I was so upset. And, you know, this was right around the time when that, that uh, synagogue shooting happened mm-hmm. as well. That's part of that whole story. I thought, what can I do? I'm, a, I'm not a politician. I'm not a billionaire. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be cool to be Elon Musk and be able to really actually do a ton of stuff with your money or or you know bezos but that's not who i am i'm a storyteller Mm -hmm. so for us to for you to interview people like me like other artists that are that love austin and want what you what you want you know you want the the continuation and even a revival of the spirit of austin Mm -hmm. which is why people fell in love with the city in the first place right you know keep austin weird keep it green keep it the mm-hmm. water clean yeah you know in barton springs all that stuff yeah so i mean it just i mean i we you just talked about a novel uh, and i spoke about a, a tv show that was so inspiring to mm-hmm. me that had a couple of austin things in it and that's our medium mm-hmm. it, talking to people is not nothing yeah and hopefully your podcast will reach a ton of people and i'm mm-hmm. hoping my funny silly little podcast will reach a ton of people yeah and they'll mm-hmm. just be able to kind of think about yeah, it's the simplest and most valuable thing we can do is is amplify our voices while taking the time to to choose our words and be aware of, you know, how others feel and try to, you know, meet people where they're at and show them that, you know, they're not alone. Um, I think yeah, that's that, that the, not alone thing is real important. I'm totally, glad you said that. Yeah, I think that's something that we have. Like uh, I try to view social media and these platforms as tools to access people when you don't necessarily have a direct line, you know, like I don't get all caught up in the analytics, but I am interested. I am curious as to, to at what time I can catch somebody, you know, I've always, that's always been my motivating factor for writing or producing content or podcasting is maybe I reach that one person just at the right time, you know, who knows where they are emotionally or mentally um, I know I've found things that have inspired me, whether it's fictional stories or, you know, creatives that are pouring their hearts out where it's inspired me to just keep going, you know, and, and, and made you, know, you feel not alone. Yeah. And, you know, as I, as I ventured out, you know, growing up here in small town, Texas and ventured out in the world, I realized that, you know, I had, you know, anxiety throughout my later teens. I think we all did, you know, about what I was going to do in the world and didn't really feel like anybody thought or felt like I did. And this yearning for like to serve and give back because I was born into a situation I didn't feel like I necessarily earned. Um, And I think I felt alone in my community until I got out and realized that there were other people like me. Um, and I don't think everybody takes that step. Not a lot. I mean, not everybody moves to London, you know, straight out of high school or where you are introduced to that perspective and you think you're in a foreign place, but usually we find perspectives and people that are 
similar to us and like-minded and usually we call them our friends or you know our, our partners or colleagues, you know colleagues yeah. yeah and and that's an incredible opportunity but like i said not everyone is going to do that um so for be able to people to be able to access that kind of interaction through tech is a great opportunity i think it's mm -hmm. really important and and put it let me just put this in context out there a lot a lot of stuff is being said about facebook and social media radicalizing people mm -hmm. you know in a bad way yeah and the reason they reach those people is because they're dead lonely mm -hmm. and they don't feel like they belong anywhere else so those it's it's almost like catching fish in a barrel yeah, and stop so, so we also need to stop giving these corporations and platforms so much power yeah, at the end of the day it's mm, your choice i mean right? they're not regulated here at all right they no are, it, like they, they are in europe you know? yeah and yeah. i think you know given people and i think you're right people are lonely that's their outlet that's where their attention but is and so they, could it has easily, they just as easily could find your podcast mm -hmm. and go ah, yeah yeah, I think it's that's why I so focus so much. The, we got to put the good energy, the love energy yeah. out there. I think that's why we focus so. I focus so much on authenticity, authenticity sharing. That's what's going to translate. That's what catches people, where they're just in this overly stimulated state, where it's just getting them by. Yeah, and we've all been there. Yeah, right. And but then we see something that's real or inspiring or you know puts a lump in our throat because it's just human and beautiful um and that's that's what we need to feed and it's going to be these little these little cookies that people stepping up and pouring their hearts out and creating platforms are going to give people to inspire them back to genuine human connection um, that's a conversation i've had with multiple people on like are we getting away from what it means to be human by leaning more and more into tech? And I, th I agree but disagree with that as well because you can draw people through tech back to human connection. Well, my, you know? my other young aunt who is, was a journalist, such a smart badass, mm -hmm. she said, You're, you can't go backwards. Mm -hmm. History is not going to go backwards. Right. We're not going to put women back in the kitchen you know, barefoot, not working mm -hmm. and yeah. it all be white males, you know, running the country. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You're, we're going to go forward. Tech is going forward as faster than we can even oh, imagine. And only getting faster. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. The mm -hmm. stuff that, that I'm, I'm seeing in the world. So that train's going. So mm -hmm. are you going to get on and hopefully use it for good mm -hmm. or just let it do whatever and just ignore it because mm -hmm. it's not going backwards. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the one thing that is going to save us instead of thinking that evolution is complexity, right? I think we have to simplify that. We have to realize that, okay, things may be getting faster. Our reach may be going farther, but can we simplify it to a point where communication still happens at a, on a human level? right what is the most way of interacting with another human being i think it's storytelling and use of metaphors music. you know we and can throw music, music in, yeah right? yeah and it's just, you know music tells a story yeah it's all storytelling so, so does some art sometimes yeah and i, yeah, I love art. how many people i'm interacting with now and you touched on it earlier and i want to dive into this is what storytelling does for humanity what it does for the mind, um, what that allows for us to, you know, put down our guard and open up a little bit more. And I'm having so many conversations, you know, just through this platform alone on this podcast where I sit down and I'm sitting across from a hatter and he says that, you know, he makes hats to tell stories and I'm sitting across from a painter and he tells me that he puts his, you know, brush to a canvas to tell stories or to help people see their story in art. You know, if, you know, if it's music, they're, they're writing songs that tell their story. And it's, everybody's kind of getting, especially creatives, are getting keyed back in on the importance of storytelling and what that does for people. Um, because it helps you dream in a way or not be so focused on how harsh reality is. Um, and you know, we don't necessarily get that from Instagram feeds where 
you think your dreams are just these unobtainable perfections. What I love about art is that the more depth art has is due to the imperfections. It's due to the process. It's due to the story of a starving artist choosing to continue to express. And that's where these artists, the, the Vincent Van Goghs of the world, you know, truly created pieces that changed humanity because there's so much depth and emotion in that. Absolutely. But also we failed to recognize that until he was long gone. Right. And like, that's, that's a trend that's all too common is that these artists derive their inspiration from feeling disconnected from humanity. And I think we're, we're doing a better job now at creating community community amongst creatives to where they feel the support and we can exchange our process and exchange ideas. And that's what's inspiring um, progress, really. Well, and technology can have mm-hmm. a huge, great impact Absolutely, on yeah. that. I mean, I'm, I mean, I pick I'm, up a lot of this from YouTube, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how do, you know, how and do I, I use this tech? I, I, I finished my podcast, all the, mm-hmm. the editing and composing and, and mixing from my attic in France. Yeah. You know, so and yeah. a lot of people are I mean, because of COVID, a lot of people are really realizing that that, you know, companies and individuals are realizing they don't you know, you don't have to sit in traffic and spend two or three hours of your day going back and forth in a car to come to the office when you could be with your kids, you know, and if one of them has a sick day, whatever, you're there, you can work and help the kid through the flu or whatever. Yeah. You know, but but the technology, including your podcast, this is such a powerful way Mm -hmm. to spread whatever stories, whatever messages, and also, quite frankly, can I just be blunt, for creatives, a lot of times creatives are terrible at this technology, mm-hmm. just terrible, or they hate it, or they're scared of it, or they mm-hmm. just don't know. But if, if someone can help them, or if they, they figure it out, it's also a, a bloody good way for creatives to make enough money to live in Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. pay the rent here. For sure, yeah. <laughs> or LA, whatever. Well, I think there's so many doors opening. Like, I was sitting and talking to Matthew Trujillo a couple episodes back. He's a local artist, and um, he's not so local anymore. Um, but he was talking about how there's almost this redistribution of wealth due to NFTs where creatives are, you know, finally getting money to, you know, create opportunity for other artists. And so I think that's, that's an interesting opportunity there. Um, you know, for us to all, you know, come together, I think that there's one thing that I'm noticing about Austin right now is there's a big gap in this unified identity that Austin used to have, that you knew and I knew growing up here was Austin and the surroundings, you know, smaller towns was just, it was just one Austin. Right. It was like, it wasn't any one thing that I knew or thought of when I, when I thought of Austin, Texas growing up. And now I feel like people are in these pockets where they, they think of one thing, they think of crypto, they think of IT, yeah, IT, you know, it's just like, man, you need to mix it up, get out of that world. That's not how we do things here. Like you gotta, you know, expand your horizons because, you know, two streets down, there's a bar, there's a restaurant that has so much culture. I hope Mm -hmm. that Austin follows a little bit in Portland's footsteps because Portland is, is not quite as insane as Austin mm-hmm. is right now, but it's got a lot of IT and a lot yeah. of business and money. But the the, the, the synthesis of mm. art and culture and like, oh my gosh, the food. I mean, and Austin yeah. has good food too, believe does, me. But yeah. I hear you, there's pockets, there's na- big neighborhoods where- mm-hmm. Some people like, never leave it. There's nothing yeah. but a Subway sandwich. Yeah. You know, it's all just the chain stuff. Yeah. Not, nothing wrong with Subway. Love you, Subway sandwiches. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's not the- the local, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Austin's just rich with stuff. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an awesome place. I mean, I just found out that, the, that you guys are making bourbon in Austin. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> From start to finish. <laughs> I know. There's all types of distilleries popping up. That's oh, when I came back. Yeah. Um, Dripping Springs is now nicknamed Drinking Springs. There you go. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's so fun out there <laughs> where I always tell people now that, and I don't really mean it. It's just a touch of humor. But I always say that when I grew up in Dripping Springs, it wasn't cool. And we spent all of our time in Austin. 
now all the cool people in Austin are escaping to Dripping Springs on the weekends. Oh, that's funny. And uh, it's it's wild to me to, to go back out there. And thankfully, we've got land on the west side, so it hasn't grown as much now. But it's just like you drive from Austin to Dripping Springs now out west, and, like, they're just shaving hills. It's going to be one big strip mall all the way from Austin to, to Dripping. And... I guess Austin has to go somewhere, right? Yeah. It's, it's, spreading, it's spreading out, out and, you know, it, it can't go east or north. So it's going west. But um, oh, I, but just, I do love seeing the, the breweries and distilleries and wineries out there. It's got it's got an interesting feel to it now. You go out towards Fredericksburg now, and it's just like these huge wineries. And it's all Napa money that's coming out to Fredericksburg, which is, you know, you either – agree with or you don't i think it's interesting that people that couldn't afford to start a winery in napa are getting to come here and put what money they had towards a winery and pursue their dreams you know that's that's what this austin represents to me is a place where people came from far and wide to express themselves and follow their passions and and do it their way and and we're still seeing that on a you know, national and global level oh, now yeah. as more and more pour in here. Like, yeah, sure. We got, we have plenty to figure out as far as infrastructure, as far as, you know, the tax crisis and all of these things. But I, I hope we can focus on the good that's coming out of it as well. And not just, you know, get sucked into these negative narratives saying that everything is wrong. You know, I, I, uh, my, uh, my mom always forward, forwards me these um, emails from Chris Cresser. I don't know if you know of Chris him, Cresser, but sorry. yeah, he's a doctor and he's got this great uh, newsletter that comes out. I need to just sign up for the newsletter instead of my mom f- feeling like she has to forward <laughs> them all to me because I love them. I eat them up. I read every single one. And um, he was talking about um, the, what did he call it? Like negativity... It was like talking about how our mindset is overly negative and just taking it back to how that benefited us on a survival instinctual level. It's like those that found the issues and problems and, you know, what was wrong with every single environment were more adapt to live, you know, due to predators or war you know, whatever it was. And like, we're just programmed to find what's bad or off or wrong, you know, a state. And it's like, well, I think, you know, now we're in a place where hopefully we can educate ourselves and logic can overcome instinct. Um, But it's just, uh, we're definitely in that state right now because, you know, as much as we want to talk about how much good is coming out of it, People are afraid. People are negative. People are getting sucked into those those ways of instinctually instinct, instinctually living and polarizing, you know, uh, life. That's it. It could very well be really bad for us. <laughs> um, but I think you know we have to. We gotta do what we gotta do. We yeah, gotta, we gotta do, do whatever yep. we can do. Bring you know? people out of that. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's the true warriors are gonna be. Optimist, optimists, you know, for, artists, storytellers, mm-hmm. visionaries. Yeah, I mean, Austin does have the, all those people still. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. And this just these few days I've been here, you know, if the, my first reaction is like, oh my god, there's another skyscraper. Oh my gosh, look at this part yeah. of town. There's like so crazy development. But you know, you get over to East Side and yeah, it calms down a little bit. <laughs> Butterfly bar and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's um, talk about that. Um, you know, you were saying that you, you and your sister yeah. started the Butterfly Bar yeah. here in Austin, and um, that was was that before you went to LA or? Um, it was kind of an. I was in LA. In between, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, it was an in between time. It was kind of when I was do- feeling like I was done acting and yeah. I wanted to see what else I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, the idea was she was going to, we were both going to run the bar, but she was mostly going to be in charge of the bar and I was going to have a food truck. Mm-hmm. I went to culinary school in Portland, but, but that was after. So uh. we just, whatever, we just had a change of heart, especially her 
said, I just really want to be in You Portland. make dreams come true. You go get them, huh? Yeah, we go get them. You said, I'm going to be an actress yeah. and I'm going to go to culinary school. Yeah. Those are two different dreams for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Was, that's great. It was, yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah. But one thing that they popped into my head while you were talking about Austin is there's another little connection with my podcast and Austin. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Do you know who Sherilyn Fenn is? She's one of the main stars of Twin Peaks, the real super sexy, beautiful yeah, yeah. brunette. Mm-hmm. She's so awesome. Anyway, she's the star okay. of the podcast, and her mom's from Austin. Oh, very And I keep cool. forgetting that. Her mom yeah. was a musician here. Wow. Like, had a band and stuff. That's awesome. So, another bizarre kind of Austin connection. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, sorry, I forgot what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, we're, that's kind of what I want to get into was the um, opening the bar, oh, the you bar. know, and, and kind of just what it meant to be a, a small business owner to you as far okay, as, so, you know, yeah. what did you learn here? How, oh, yeah. how did that dynamic change? Oh, we learned a lot. How you see a city. <laughs> we learned a lot. So I yeah. was more of a silent partner. She first opened a coffee shop mm-hmm. um, called Emerald City Press and it had a it was, I t- well, of course, you know, I'm biased, but I swear to goodness, I think it was the best coffee in Austin at, yeah. when it was, when it was still, um, going. Now it's Fresa's, mm-hmm. the drive through chicken yeah. place. That's I love where, Fresa's. That's where it was. On, uh, Lamar? Yep. Oh, cool. And it was beautiful coffee and flowers and all this stuff, drive through And her idea, this is, you know, this is another little Austin problem. You all have to kind of wrestle with this, this thing and, 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 and get your mind around it because it's important. It's important for the city. So our neighbors were, was the saloon, I won't say any names, but <laughs> they kind of they kind of had it out for us mm. since day one. My sister's very liberal. Then Cajuns. Oh, those Cajuns. I don't think they're <laughs> Cajuns. <laughs> no, I don't believe it. Anyways, um, so the parking was the issue. Mm. And we were allowed to have our limited parking because it was, and it really was, the kind of place that was walkable. Right. Strollers, you know, um, skateboarders, bicycles, all that people. That was the neighborhood, and people walked in from, you know, the Clarksville neighborhood and mm-hmm. all around, and totally it was very walkable, but because of the parking issues and battle, went to town hall, it was just rough. It was rough, man, and we put so much money into that, yeah. opening it up, that we had a big nut, you know, a big nut to pay back, and we couldn't have any outdoor seating because mm-hmm. of the parking, and they took, we had a deal with Cheapo Desks across the street, remember Cheapo? Yeah. Well, they were giving us some of their parking, we had a deal with them mm-hmm. and then the the developer just didn't I, I don't know they just had it out for us and they took our they made it they told cheapo if you do the parking with them we're gonna boot you out wow so we lost all our parking except for the like six or seven spaces and yeah. and we didn't have seating and it kind of sank us yeah because the city wouldn't allow for a space that was really meant to be more for skateboarders mm-hmm. and we, you know we, we were good friends with no comply yeah the skateboard show i still love those guys are amazing and you know we we it's south by southwest they came and built a skateboard ramp for us that's cool in in the parking in front, lot i mean yeah. oh my god it was cool. such a fun place but if you're opening a small business vet your neighbors mm. and make sure you know about stuff like that like parking regulations ahead of time so that closed down and it's always something huh? yeah it's yeah the, the, that was a big learning process yeah, though i mean tough. learning 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 yeah and so the next venture my sister was like hey you want to help me open a bar i'm sick of getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go yeah. get the bitch goods <laughs> let's try the back <laughs> let's try half to, of the day let's try to do the opposite <laughs> yeah so i was like sure and it was a family affair because my cousin bonnie cullum owns the vortex theater in the whole space mm-hmm. but her little cafe was not making money mm-hmm and nobody's really kind of inspiring, you know, inspired by it or whatever. So we'd had a deal with her to make that into a bar, you know, put my dad and her dad, like brought up the pony shed from San Antonio and put it in the back as a green room for musicians, another stage in the back, uh, the backyard. My wow. dad built the decking. That's had awesome. Guys a family affair. A family affair. Oh, that's great. Yep. And then the food truck that I ultimately did not do, somebody else came in and, and is doing it. And they keep getting best food truck in, in Austin. That's awesome. It's Italian, fresh-made pasta. Wow. And so the theater's oh, still going. The out. bar is killing it. Some of, I think, some of our original employees are still working there. That's how well it's going. Yeah. 
So, and she owns like the whole big like area with tons of parking so nobody can mess with her. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. Emphasis on the parking. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 And it's just killing it. I mean, That's you know, a bunch of the stuff that we started was going years later, like tr best trivia night in Austin kind of yeah. thing and whatever jazz dance, you know, jazz swing dancing yeah. once a week. So, it, I mean, I was just over there for a play. Yeah. It, it's it's still killing it <laughs> that's awesome that sounds, so it's that but it, you know it's like an east austin place it's yeah. funky yeah you never know what you're going to find when you walk into the butterfly bar right it could be girls Anything, dressed like yeah. butterflies i mean yeah. literally a 20 of them or it could yeah. be a little wedding or you know you just don't know it's yeah. it's fun and i love that. Like that yeah i think that's that's the one thing that we're seeing on the east side right now is you know people are definitely feeling safer on foot and like bar hopping and stuff and it 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 makes me miss the like, more dirty sixth or what we call now dirty sixth is like miss that that section of town because I'm, I'm reading uh one of kinky friedman's books right now and it just like it's just kind of like kinky friedman was a big fan of my sister really he, the two of them did a, a a dog adoption fashion show at mm -hmm. joe's coffee wow that yeah and so he and he came and a little political that's probably why our neighbors didn't like us because yeah. my sister was political yeah uh, on the wrong side of the neighbors uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but kinky came and did political speeches and stuff there at the coffee shop and yeah yeah he was an ally uh, i love the kingster yeah. i love yeah. the kingster he's so amazing <laughs> yeah he's got such a good sense of humor with his writing style too um can't remember the exact title of the book it's like a walk through armadillo capital or, or armadillo picnic or something like that it's it's great just kind of revisiting you know it's written a, w a ways back so it's almost like reminiscent just reading what he was talking about that was happening at that time which is cool um but also a little heartbreaking at the same time to like read about these venues that are just gone you yeah. know and it's like man i'd hate to you know i hear murmurs of plans for them to you know tear down you know 6th street and rebuild it over off lamar and 290 and like there's just it just sounds like we're just about to you know just tear down such a historical marker of austin and it's just because it's it doesn't have um any optimism in the air when you go down there now it's just kind of dying off and people are just watching it go and somehow somehow we need to bring it back and get some money pouring back in that area and and make it you know the music capital of the world again where you know you you talk about walking into the butterfly bar and never know what you might find i think that used to be all of sixth street you know where you just hear music pouring oh, out the yeah. windows yeah. and you pop in and you know i remember i remember seeing the black pumas you know i didn't even know who they were at the time but they were playing down there right when eric was you know getting his start here in austin and uh you know just years later coming back from the navy seeing what they're doing now you know i was like damn like I, I miss going down there and just popping into these little venues and you know you see how it's changing where you know you look at antones now or we're you know stubs and you know it's there's still shows going on there's still a great music scene but it's not as local it's not as you know, guys aren't getting as much of a, a kickstart to a career here. You know, they're either playing because they're passionate um, or they're eyeing their options to get out of town and pursue a career. And oh, I hope they don't move 6th Street. I know. That's like moving yeah. Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it's, it's, it would I crush mean, you us. Know, a street like Bourbon Street or 6th Street or whatever that, I can't remember what it's called in Nashville. It's, they've got the same street, you know. Yeah. But it's like, it might have its ups and downs from year to year financially yeah. and of course we've just gone through covid hello right. give everybody right. a chance to get back on their darn feet yeah financially mm -hmm. but that's like i mean i don't know it seems like it would be yanking a huge not just heart and soul out but yeah. but a financial tourist mm -hmm. draw yeah i mean bourbon street's still a huge giant and frenchman obviously well, that's what, in, you know that's what Orleans. i think you know you like you look at towns like like new orleans or uh, you know, you look at Charleston or something where they're like they're, that, the brick on those walls, those older buildings, the architecture, like it holds such a depth and energy to it that like it should be 
held on to for as long as possible like of course we can tear down everything and turn it into a condo mm -hmm. but like how much history do you lose and, and, you know? and where are the people in the condos going to walk to or right go drink? no yeah and it's like and well, get a and get a pedicab back yeah right. and it might be it might be nice it might be clean you know and but it doesn't have any depth it doesn't you know i go to the domain now and i look around i look at the shops and i'm like this just feels like an amusement park for shopping to me like it's just i feel like i could push a wall and it fall over yeah you know true. like you go down to sixth street i'm like don't touch that wall you know like yeah but it has a, a is, richness is, is, to i it. heard is a hole in the wall gone a hole in the wall yeah 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 pretty sure. yeah and like i mean you look at you know broken spoke and like those Bro places uh, oh it's man. just like it's just getting broken dwarfed. spoke is so weird it's now. getting dwarfed by these condos on either it's side so of it it's so weird to go to the broken spoke and have it just surrounded i know it makes by... me smile every time because you know they're putting up a fight you know you i love know it. they are you know and i love it i went in there one night but i do miss it when you felt like you had to drive out of austin to go yeah. to the broken broken spoke it was kind of like yeah i went in there a couple weeks ago and and we were dancing and hanging out and there was like a hundred UT students just pouring into this bar. And uh, they were all standing on the dance floor, like talking. And the head, you know, manager or whoever she was, she was not having it. She was, she came on the door, in the door frame and was like, y'all need to move. Y'all need to go sit down. And all these kids were just like not listening to her. And she went up there on the stage and took the mic from the singer. And she goes, all right, I know y'all heard me. Y'all better move y'all's ass. <laughs> and she just started cursing all these UT students to get off the dance floor. And uh, it was just so funny to see these two generations of Austin colliding. <laughs> like, and I was well, definitely. Well, at least they're making money. Yeah. But those kids are spending some money at the Broken Spoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But get off the dance floor. People yeah, exactly. Dance. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just funny. But Oh, my gosh. That's a great story. Well, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm, I'm so happy that we made the time for this and, and to uh, connect and continue to tell the story of different perspectives here in Austin. And Thank so you glad so you're getting a chance me. to come back and, and visit and see some family. And, and uh, when do you head back to, to France? Um, Wednesday. Okay. Wow. So. Yeah. How long is that flight? You go. It's long. Yeah. It's just not a direct flight from Austin. Yeah. So you, where's the flights to Atlanta or like Newark? Newark. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. So. Um, but yeah, you can't. You can go out of Atlanta too. Yeah, I yeah, figured. Just, mine happens to be Newark. So. Cool. Yeah. Well. Um, so where can people find you? Um, I'd like to direct people to your podcast. Obviously, it sounds great. Go to electrocast.com. Yeah. Electrocast.com. Um, hopefully, those fools have it up there on their website. Yeah. I'm going to come up there with a lasso and show them what fur. Yeah. If they don't. And the, they're, they're under construction part of their website. It's done. But yeah. now we're just getting our marketing great. whirlwind, hopefully, starting. Looking yeah. for sponsors, you know. What's it called again? The Last Saturday Night. That's right. That's starring right. Sherilyn yeah. Fenn, Ed Asner, Eric Roberts, Jennifer Elise Cox, Tim Russ, Chris Browning. Yeah. Vincent M. Ward from The Walking Dead. It's wow. a pretty good cast. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely keep me posted and, and I'll, I'll direct as many people as I can to. Yeah, it sounds and, and, fun. And as soon yeah. as it's out, which is late in about a month, it'll be everywhere. Spotify, yeah. Apple, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcast, awesome. it'll be all across the board. Badass. Yeah. Yay. If you ever want to send a script, I'll hop on. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. If you ever need an extra. Oh, a, a extra voice? Yeah. Oh, great. Sounds good. We can we can record you from right here. Perfect. That's technology. Yeah. Getting back to Get technology. Get up on the TV. Connecting and actors and, yep, let's yeah. do it. That'd world, be cool. Worldwide The world doesn't seem production. so big anymore. It's, Love that. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jennifer, and I wish you the best and everything. And thank you. Hope to stay in touch and yeah, and we'll come out to France and visit. You should definitely come. All visit. right. All right. Thank you. Bye. That was great, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> thank you so much. You, so you guys good. kept the long format too. Like you kept really kept the energy. Yeah. That's a lot to yeah. talk about. Yep. You're done voice acting. I love voice acting. Yeah. I did no, voice I acting for like a year. Yeah. I loved it so much. because I did radio, and someone was like, "Oh, you should do some." voice acting on the side so I just you have a really great yeah, voice that's so I started doing it and like it was little, it was like zany stuff though it was like doing like actual voices and it was just like I it's like
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.